Politicast. I'm Thomas. And I'm Jim. And today we'll be looking at some statistics about marriage and divorce in Michigan. An ex-United Auto Workers officer is being convicted for embezzling. Governor Whitmer is posing with celebrities. And a federal judge invalidates part of Michigan sex offender registration laws. Jim, you got a couple headlines for us? Yes, I have two from the Detroit Free Press. The first one is Michigan bills would clear obstacle for wrongly convicted people seeking compensation. And the other is uh, the new Michigan budget includes 100K for poet laureate to travel and promote poetry in schools. So in our first article, we're looking at some facts about marriage and divorce in Michigan. Julie Mack reports that in 1960, 79% of Michigan households were headed by a married couple, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. It's now at 47%. That is a huge change. And this, I chose this article because it kind of reflects, you know, what our culture is and how people are choosing to live. I don't want to word that like that. I don't want to word this. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say... I mean, I guess it's just, you know, how, how it's reflecting on our culture. Is this, when it says the 47%, is that, um, is that like just unwed, un, unmarried people? Or is it like, or, or had their spouses died or something? I mean, does it include? It know? includes kind of both of them. Okay. Um, more just looking at the, you know, the head households, um, looking at households in, gen- in general uh-huh. and the I mean like it says here the, the, the disparity of like married couples within households uh-huh. um, from like 1960. Oh so you're looking at the long term effect of how this is going to affect like the next generation yeah. have growing up without yeah. a two parent house. Okay. Yeah because okay, a lot of saying. the a mm-hmm. lot of the uh, actually the um, one of the reasons is the number of marriages and divorces are trending down in Michigan. Mm. Um, that was like their their very first uh, reason. Uh, people just aren't getting married. Um, I know a little bit later there was people getting people are getting wait, waiting longer to marry. Um, mm-hmm. It says the median age of a first time bride is now twenty seven percent, and for a first time or not twenty seven years old, twenty seven percent. My goodness, and a first time groom is twenty eight. Mm. Um, and then they, their third point is that uh, more people in Michigan aren't marrying at all. Uh, about 62% of Michigan residents aged 35 to 64 were part of a married couple in 2018. Um, and that's down from 64% in 2010. Looks like the people that are, that are divorced or widowed is staying exactly the same. Um, and it's just people who, are, who have never married that's, that's changing. Hmm. Um, and then another point, like I thought it was uh, very reflective of our, our culture and uh, just the trend, definitely trends that I've seen. Um, point number seven is I mean, African American, not African American, Black Americans are, I hate that term so much. I do. It's 
So black Americans are much less likely to be married. So about 21% of black uh, women and 27% of black men in Michigan, age 15 or older, are married. And that seems really low. Um, and then, you know, we compare that to uh, white Americans, age 15 and older, um, are at about more than half of uh, white Americans, 15 and older, are married. And then 42% of Michigan Latinos in the same, you know, the same age range. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of interesting just to look at, look at that trend and um, I know that there's a lot to talk about there so we'll probably be getting into that in our opinion segment. Uh, Jim, you want to give us a, a headline? Yes. The Michigan, Michigan bills would clear obstacle for wrongfully convicted people seeking compensation. Wrongfully convicted people whose claims against the state were dismissed due to discrepancies and filing deadlines, would again be eligible for compensation under legislation passed in the Michigan Senate on Tuesday. Under a 2016 law, people exonerated from crimes are eligible for up to $50,000 per year spent in prison from the state. Wrongfully convicted people were given 18 months to sue for the money under the law, but some had their claims denied because of a discrepancy between that deadline and a six-month deadline for filing claims against the state outlined in a different law. A trio of bills passed unanimously in the Senate would exempt wrongful convictions claims from that six-month time frame and allow more time to file for people whose cases were initially dismissed in court. The legislation now heads to the House for additional review and would need to be signed by Governor Whitmer to become law. Since the wrongful imprisonment compensation fund in the state's treasury's office was established, many critics have been concerned that there isn't enough money being allocated to compensate exonerated people for the time they'd served for crimes they didn't commit. A supplemental spending bill signed into law last June included $10 million for the state's wrongful imprisonment compensation fund for the state to begin paying exonerees some of whom have spent decades in prison. The Detroit News reported Tuesday that state still doesn't have enough money in the fund to pay all former prisoners the money they are owed. So did it say anything in the article, Jim, about uh, like how many people have been wrongfully convicted that they're looking at reimbursing? It didn't say it in this article, no. Okay. That all would right. be a good question, something to look into, though. Yeah, Definitely. Uh, I'll make a note of that. All right. So moving on from wrongful convictions, we have somebody that uh, is being convicted very rightfully. This article is from the Detroit Free Press, uh, written by Robert Snell. No, sorry, Detroit News. So Robert Snell reports the $1.5 million in kickbacks a corrupt United Auto Workers officer, uh, official received included cash and $10,000 worth of cosmetic surgery for a relative, federal prosecutors said Tuesday. The details were revealed as prosecutor asked the federal judge to sentence former UAW official Mike Grimes to two years in federal prison for his role of bribery and kickback schemes that involved two others, including former union vice president Joe Ashton. Grimes is portrayed as a vindictive shakedown artist, demanding kickbacks from 
United Auto Worker vendors who supplied union-branded merchandise and penalized one UAW contractor who initially refused his demand. Once the unidentified vendor agreed to pay the kickbacks, Grimes forced him to pay an extra $5,000, prosecutors said. So this guy is uh, hes from Fort Myers, Florida, 66. Um, he's going to be sentenced February 19th by U.S. District Judge Bernard Friedman. And it looks like he's getting a plea deal. He's... Um, cooperating with the investigation and the investigation has led to charges against 13 other people and a dozen convictions and revealed that United Auto Worker leaders embezzled money from worker paychecks, shook down union contractors, and schemed with auto executives. There's a lot of corruption here going on in the United Auto Workers. So one further thing to note about this article, while he was pleading guilty, Grimes said he committed the financial crimes due to economic hardship. Public records indicate Grimes was facing tax problems in 2013, but he was receiving kickbacks years before the tax issue emerged and afterward while amassing a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. By February 2017, Grimes appeared flushed with cash. He and his wife took out $284,000 mortgage and bought a new $730,000 thousand dollar home in fort myers according to property records he also bought a 27 jeep wrangler those assets are expected to be forfeited to the government and used to pay a portion of the 1.5 million dollars that he owes so we'll be following that we'll see if any more convictions come of this what uh what else the united auto workers have been involved in that's uh kind of shady and uh jim why don't you uh, bring us your next headline The new Michigan budget includes 100K for a poet laureate to travel and promote poetry in schools. All right, this is from the Detroit Free Press on February 10th. And it says, in a $61.9 billion Michigan budget, is it time to set aside $100,000 for an official Michigan poet? Governor Whitmer said yes to that question in her state budget presentation. Her proposal includes $100,000 for the Michigan Department of Education to create and support a state poet laureate who will travel the state meeting with teachers and students to promote poetry, the spoken word, and literary arts in a generation of young students. Efforts to have Michigan join many other states that have an official poet have waxed and waned in the legislature for decades. Back in 2000, Livonia Republican State Senator Thaddeus McCotter introduced a bill to provide for the post and suggested it might go to Michigan-born rocker Bob Seeger. But it has still not happened, despite the introduction in 2015 of another poet laureate bill by then-state rep Sarah Roberts, a Democrat, from St. Clair Shores. According to U.S. Library of Congress records, Michigan last had a poet laureate in the 1950s, Edgar Guest was appointed in 1952 and served until his death in 1959. But here are 11 other items that were easy to miss in last week's state budget. First is looming lawsuits. The state may have to pay hundreds of millions of dollars in judgments and or settlements relating to pending lawsuits against the state, according to budget briefing papers. The budget papers cited pending lawsuits related to the Flint drinking water crisis 
and the Michigan Unemployment Insurance Agency fiasco, in which tens of thousands of Michigan residents were falsely accused of unemployment insurance fraud. Also cited was a lawsuit involving alleged sexual abuse of juveniles, formerly held in Michigan prisons for men. A settlement of that case was recently announced, though details were not released. The second is a new home for an anti-bullying program. The budget shifts responsibility to the Michigan State Police for administration and outreach for a program intended to prevent school bullying and violence. Okay to Say is now housed in the Michigan Attorney General's Office with respect to those duties. Whitmer's budget would shift that role to the Michigan State Police at what appears to be a reduced cost. The budget removes from the Attorney General $1.5 million in okay to say funding, of which $1 million comes from the general fund and adds to the Michigan State Police $906,000 in funding, of which the $436,400 comes from the general fund. We completely support this move, said Kelly Rosman McKinney, a spokesman for Attorney General Dana Wessel. The MSP, the Michigan State Police, already houses the Office of School Safety, and the move will maximize efficiencies and resources for the program, Rossman McKinney said. MSP also handles the OK to Say tip line, which receives thousands of tips a year. The third is starting over on a program-plagued computer system. The budget provides $31.9 million over two years for a new comprehensive child welfare information system for the Department of Health and Human Services. State officials told a federal judge in June they plan to scrap the existing system, which has cost state and federal taxpayers about $231 million over the past five years. The system's poor performance has been seen as a major obstacle in getting Michigan out of the federal oversight related to its handling of child abuse and neglect cases. Children's Rights, a New York-based group, sued in 2006, alleging maltreatment or neglect of children while in state foster care custody, a lack of basic medical and mental health services for children, and excessive lengths of stay in state custody, among other problems. The case was settled in 2008 with the appointment of a federal monitor and the state must now track and report on required reforms. The budget recommends $20.6 million for a new modern cloud-based system in the 2021 budget, plus another $11.3 million in a supplemental budget request for 2020. The project is to be completed in five phases between now and 2025. And related to making money for the state, in 2021, taxes paid on the sale of recreational marijuana are expected to send an extra $36.9 million to local governments, $43.1 million to the school aid fund, and another $43.1 million to help Michigan roads and bridges. But taking in and distributing that money also comes with a cost. For 2021, the budget proposes $50.3 million for marijuana regulation. That amount includes $20 million to support research related to medical conditions affecting military veterans and to prevent veteran suicides. Similarly, newly legalized sports betting and online gambling is expected to generate tens of millions of dollars in state revenues annually, once both are fully up and running starting this year. But the budget calls for an extra $5.5 million for the Michigan Gaming Control Board, which it says will need to hire regulation officers, 
auditors and analysts to oversee that wagering. And the budget also proposes a new Rebuilding Michigan Office of Accountability and Transparency to track the spending of the $3.5 billion bond program to fix major state highways and bridges, which Whitmer announced in her State of the State address. The budget allocates $3 million to fund the new office for the next three years. In this budget, cyber schools would take a hit. While recommending increased funding for K-12 schools, the budget proposes a $24 million cut to the foundation allowance for Michigan cyber schools, which are charter schools that operate online. The cyber schools should get less funding per student because they enjoy lower facilities, maintenance, and transportation costs compared to brick and mortar, mortar schools, according to budget documents. Plus, they want to wipe out the school lunch debt. The budget proposes $1 million to forgive school lunch debt wrung up by the Michigan K-12 students who participated in the federally assisted national school lunch program. Plus, they want to add support for Michigan National Guard spouses. In the Department of Military and Veterans, the budget proposes that tuition assistance now offered to members of the Michigan National Guard also be extended to their spouses. According to the budget documents, the change is expected to be made at no additional cost. Instead, the expected tuition assistance program will be funded through efficiencies identified in the existing $6.5 million program. They also want to refinance student loan debt. In higher education, the budget proposes $10 million to establish the Michigan Student Loan Refinance Program, which will allow people to refinance up to $50,000 of student loan debt with a lower interest rate through the Michigan Treasury. To qualify, debtors must have lived in Michigan at least 12 months and been making regular payments on their student loans for at least three years. A lot of the details of the program would need to be worked out, including what the new low interest rate would be, said Ron Lux, a Treasury spokesman. Plus, they want to pay more to look up driver records. In one of the few proposed tax or fee increases in the budget, the Michigan Secretary of State wants to charge higher fees to businesses that want to look up information about driving records and or motor vehicle registrations. The budget proposes a hike in the charge for lookup fees from $11 to 13. That's expected to raise an extra $9.4 million. And lastly in the budget, they want a pay boost for state employees. The budget provides for an extra $121.7 million for state employees in 2021 based on pay increases that have already been been negotiated. It's quite a lot there. Yeah, it is. There's uh, quite a bit there to talk about in our opinion segment. Looking forward to it. Yes. So a couple last articles for you guys here um, from MLive.com. Uh, federal judge invalidates parts of Michigan's sex offender registration law. This article is by Lauren Gibbons. So she starts off saying that portions of the law were declared unconstitutional in 2016, but state officials never fixed it, meaning that sex offender registrants have been forced to comply with unconstitutional provisions of Michigan's Sex Offender Registry Act for years. U.S. District Judge Robert Cleland wrote in, fr in a Friday ruling, The court recognizes that its ruling will fracture the, the existing structure of SORA, Cleland wrote, However, the court anticipates that its ruling will reignite efforts to finalize a new unified registration statute 
that can survive constitutional review, as has the national model, SORNA. The ruling is set to go into effect in 60 days. A federal appeals court ruled in 2016 that new sex offender registry rules added to Michigan law in 2006 and 2011 could not be applied retroactively to people convicted before the law was updated. Under Cleland's ruling, any current registrant who whose offense occurred prior to April 12, 2011, and hasn't committed subsequent offenses, would not have to comply with Michigan sex offender requirements. The ruling stems from an American Civil Liberties Union lawsuit filed on behalf of six convicted sex offenders who claim their civil rights were violated. Cleland heard the article from the ACLU and the Michigan Attorney General's Office in the case on February 5th after the legislature missed a 90-day window set by the court last year to amend or replace its sex offender registration laws. There's a lot to talk about in that article. We'll be discussing that in our opinion segment. And one last headline for you. Um, Governor Gretchen Whitmer posts a marvelous photo with Chris Evans. Oh, goodness. So, man, this one's going to be hard to keep me out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you know we're just gonna go with uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Um, man, she's she's really is uh, hobnobbing with some celebrities over there. So, yeah, on Sunday, uh, Michigan's top elected official met Captain America, the most patriotic member of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Chris Evans. Uh, the article went on to say that Chris Evans is doing some kind of podcast with some kind of get rid of Trump thing. So. We're, we're going to rip this one apart in the opinion segment, and uh, we're going to have fun doing it. So thank you guys so much for listening. That is our news segment for the week. We will be back with you Friday for our opinion segment. Don't forget to give us a rating. Uh, subscribe on iTunes or podcast or Podbean, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you liked it, don't forget to share it with your friends. So for the news segment today, I'm Thomas. And I'm Jim. And we'll see you on Friday with our opinion segment. Mm-hmm.